We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This hour is being brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Sox Machine. Josh Nelson, co-host of the Sox Machine podcast. The White Sox are going to need another starting pitcher to get through the 2022 season and the 162-game marathon. So Rick Hahn's work is not done. The Internet's longest-running White Sox podcast. What is their biggest concern right now? That Lurie Garcia is playing way too much. (laughs) Amen and hallelujah. SoxMachine.com. We're all White Sox fans here. I know this is the home of the Chicago Cubs. We're all rooting for this team to make it to the World Series. There's going to be some highs and there's going to be some lows, and it's all about trying to find that middle ground. Josh Nelson with Lawrence Holmes on 670 The Score. We want machine. Socks machine. Gotta say, this is not a day for middle ground. I don't know that I've heard middle ground. Usually when there is a dominant side in sports talk radio or just the score, you get some people who might be on the other side, you know, a few, and then there's usually somebody who's a little wishy-washy about it or not quite sure what the hot take is. Not today. The hot take is Tony screwed up. Tony LaRussa. I'm Mark Grody in for Lawrence Holmes on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. And Josh Nelson does join us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. A quick tweet from Josh Nelson before we officially say hello to him. He tweeted to the world today, if Tony La Russa is still manager at the time of my appearance on The Score, I'm warning Mark Grody Sports that there will be some heat coming from me. Mr. Nelson, as far as I know, Tony LaRussa has not been fired. Yeah, and he's probably not going to get fired this weekend or today or never because the White Sox are a dysfunctional Major League Baseball franchise that does not act like anyone else. Sometimes that's good. A lot of times that's bad. And in this case, it is bad. I I do not understand why they are going to stick by Tony LaRussa especially when this team is currently 26-29. They are severely underachieving. They are five games back of the Minnesota Twins in the American League Central. They're in third place. As a matter of fact, they're closer to fourth place than they are first place. They're 12-15 and at home. 
And now their manager is extremely defensive when you ask fair questions of why are you intentionally walking a batter on a one-two count or why are you batting Lurie Garcia leadoff in your lineup? And this is the same way that Joe Madden acted in Anaheim and the Angels fired him. The Phillies got tired of Joe Girardi. They fired him and they haven't lost. So, I think the White Sox should follow suit of what the Phillies and Angels are doing because this franchise and that clubhouse needs a shot in the arm and they need a different voice as the leader. But it is the Chicago White Sox, Tony La Russa's Jerry Reinsdorf's friend. That's not coming to fruition. So now the question is, why are the White Sox underachieving and what are they going to do to get back on track? <laughs> Josh, in our court of sports accountability, there has to be checks and balances. And I think that there has to be checks and balances, obviously, within an organization. And I don't know if this is going to be addressed again with Tony, but even if Rick Hahn is not front and center today for the White Sox, tonight for the White Sox, doesn't Rick Hahn have to eventually still be asked these questions about this specific game? They can't let him get away with somebody has to respond for what happened with that incident, if if not Tony again. Well, I think LaRusse is definitely going to be asked about it pregame. And he may apologize on how he was defensive yesterday, but he will still believe that he made the correct decision despite what everyone nationally now, maybe you can go to fangraphs.com and you see Tony the Russo front and center. Everyone has done the math and your math was wrong. And now we have to question the White Sox analytics department again, again on the decision-making and the type of data they are feeding to the clubhouse. If they're feeding the right type of data and if the White Sox truly understand their opponent, And that has been something that has been questioned about this organization for more than a decade. Are the White Sox well-prepared for the opponent that they are facing? They don't face the Texas Rangers a lot. So even for this weekend, it brings the question, are they scouted well? Do the White Sox have a firm understanding on who are the dangerous hitters right now for the Texas Rangers in the lineup? Are they paying attention to how well Marcus Simeon has been hitting or Nate Lowe over at first base? Do they understand the types of pitchers that are going to be facing the White Sox hitters and the type of arsenal that they have? You know, these things get constantly brought up, and this is on the manager's lap here. And, and Mark, it's just, it is very frustrating. This has been a very frustrating season for the Chicago White Sox. And if you have to start asking a lot of questions on what in the world is the manager thinking, and it leads to this, you know, your record is your record. You're 26 and 29. So, all right, you want to be defensive about intentionally walking a batter on a one-two count. You want to be defensive about batting Lurie Garcia, who's got a 24-weighted runs created plus, which means that he is 76% below league average as an offensive player, and he's one of the worst position players in all of Major League Baseball. If you want to get defensive about that, let's talk about your record. Let's talk about the 2022 White Sox, Tony. Not your past, now, the present, because that's what's important. The White Sox, again, underachieving, underachieving, underachieving. So if he wants to be defensive, I think it's time for him to start defending the record of his ball club because that's a lot harder for him to defend 
on what the results that his team is providing. Talking to Josh Nelson from Sox Machine. Listen to the Sox Machine podcast with Josh Nelson. I'm Mark Rohde, filling in for Lawrence Holmes here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. You call the, the franchise dysfunctional. How deep does that go? I don't think Rick Hahn even has the power to fire Tony La Russa if he wanted to, Mark. Like, look at other general managers in professional sports. You cover the Chicago Bears. If the Bears, you know, GM wanted to fire the head coach, not not try to plant that seed at all because everyone is new. <laughs> Too soon. But, you know, five, five, six, ten years down the road, the GM, if they feel like the head coach is not doing a good enough job, they have the power, right? Right. They should be able to fire the head coach. Yes. They don't have to ask uh, Virginia McCaskey for her permission to fire the head coach. Correct. Well, that's not the way the White Sox work. <laughs> they need to get permission from Jerry Reinsdorf uh, to, to make such a move. And that, it's just frustrating. They're, they're, they don't act like other teams in Major League Baseball. And sometimes that's got its benefits. They are loyal to a fault. They are one of the rare organizations that you could see up and down the row of people who have been working for the ball club for more than 20 years. Rick Hahn is one of them. There's a couple of assistant GMs that are one of them. Kenny Williams has been part of the organization for a very long time. They stick with their people. But when their people are not performing to the level of expectations from the media and fans, it just seems like there's no accountability within the Chicago White Sox. Well, except for one position, hitting coach. (laughs) They fire hitting coaches. Uh, They fire pitching coaches. Uh But, you know, this whole thing stems from – I really thought that Rick Hahn, when he moved on from Rick Renteria on what happened in Oakland, and he fired Rick Renteria as manager of the Chicago White Sox as he was entering his final year of his contract, that Rick really wanted to do a vetted managerial hiring process. The last time the White Sox had done that, Mark, was when they hired Ozzie Guillen back in 2004. Everyone else has been, like, appointed. Robin Ventura was appointed by Kenny Williams. Tony La Russa has been appointed by Jerry Reinsdorf. The last time the Chicago White Sox had a, a vetted general, general manager search was back in 1990. There are some listeners right now in your lifetime as Chicago White Sox fans, the White Sox have never done a vetted GM search. Wow. So you don't know what that experience is like as a White Sox fan. So that, that's why they're, they're, they're weird. The Chicago White Sox are a weird organization, and this is why you have moments like this. And when you have a 76-year-old manager arguing with the beat reporters, we're asking very fair questions of why are you intentionally walking a batter on a 1-2 count? That situation is extremely rare, and it's also extremely rare to come up with the lineups that he's been doing on a daily basis. It's been a different lineup every single game. And again, they're 26 and nine, 29, 26 and 29 on the season. It's unbelievable. So no accountability, as you said, a situation that has been stimulated by, by the owner of the team. So my question for you is now, you just mentioned the White Sox record, 26 and 29, What's salvageable under these restraints for the White Sox? If Tony's not going anywhere, what's mm-hmm. salvageable? What should be expected for White Sox fans? What are you expecting? What can't, should people expect? 
So Rick alluded to this before the Dodgers series of what gives him hope is the remaining schedule. Based on winning percentage of opponents left on the White Sox schedule, they have the easiest schedule in Major League Baseball. Now, that doesn't mean you can you know, take your foot off the gas and, oh, my gosh, things are going to be a lot easier. No, there's a lot more pressure. You have to take advantage of this particular situation. There's 107 games left to go. In order for the 2022 White Sox to finish with the same regular season record as the 2021 White Sox, they're going to have to go 67 and 40. Okay, mm-hmm. 67 and 40 is red hot, red hot for a baseball team. And there's nothing to suggest the White Sox are to go on that type of run. And when you are looking at the other teams in the American League, let's just look at the Minnesota Twins for a moment. The Twins did something that the White Sox could not last week, and that is go to Toronto and win that series. And even though they lost the series against the New York Yankees, the Minnesota Twins put up a pretty good fight against the New York Yankees. And what I'm suggesting is don't expect the Minnesota Twins to fade easily. I don't think that's going to be a team that fades back to 500 that some people thought when they started off the season hot. And Cleveland, Terry Francona, I have a lot of respect for him. I think he is a fantastic manager, and he knows what buttons, what buttons to press with his Guardians team. And that Cleveland team's been playing really good baseball as of late. They've won eight of ten games. They've made up four games against the White Sox, passed them in the standings, and they made up four games against the Minnesota Twins, and now they're three games back of the division. This is not going to be easy for the White Sox, even though on paper you could say they have the easiest remaining schedule in Major League Baseball. They have to take advantage of this, and in order to take advantage of this opportunity, they've got to play a lot better baseball, especially the players on the field, but they also need better decision-making from the manager's office. Mm, yeah, and you know one of the areas that we're forced to nitpick for the White Sox, I don't even know if that's the right phraseology, but to pick on is starting pitching because they are the ones that, like they're the good kids. They're expected to be good. Like we can't have you guys going bad. Dylan Cease yesterday, four and two thirds, six runs on six hits, did strike out eight, walked three, you know, the hundred and ten pitches and he it was on his and I know it was unearned, but it was on his watch, the six run fifth inning. Um, and Cease walked, uh, what, seven walks on his previous performance against yep. at Tampa Bay. What do you say about Dylan Cease right now? He's in a slump right now. And his last four starts, as you mentioned, walks have been a problem. Hits, not so much, but he's allowing a lot of free base runners. And I think he's just being, he's trying to be too perfect. There was some counts yesterday where it's a full count and he's trying to throw this perfect slider that breaks and hits the low outside corner for a perfect strike. And it's just too, it's too difficult to pull off. And he doesn't pull it off. And it's a free base runner to the Los Angeles Dodgers. You can't give the Dodgers free base runners as Dylan Cease and the White Sox pitching staff found out harshly yesterday. They will make you pay if you give them a lot of base runners to work with, especially free base runners, whether that's by the walk or, or poor defense. But I still have confidence that Dillard Cease will bounce back. I mean, his first four innings were phenomenal against the Dodgers. I kind of felt like he was repeating what Michael Kopech did on Tuesday. Uh, Lucas Giolito as well in his last couple of starts has been suspect to the big inning as he exceeds 80 pitches. It seems like he's running out of gas right now as he's in this like midseason swoon. Bad defensive play or 
uh, he walks a batter, and then he gives up a home run. So Giolito and Cease have been kind of snake been in, in recent starts where they don't have luck on their side. A bad defensive play extends the inning, but then they allow really hard contact or they allow a home run, and that just compounds the issues. If they're going to be the aces of this White Sox staff and if they want to be future Cy Young Award winners, they're going to have to learn – how to pitch over bad defense behind them. And it is a bad defense behind them. Mm -hmm. So as long as they're in a White Sox uniform, this is a lesson that they're going to have to learn. And they know that, and they understand that. So it'll be interesting to see how they perform in their next starts, especially Giolito as he's on the mound this upcoming Sunday against the Texas Rangers. But I I just think it's a midseason swoon. I don't think there's any red flags or any critical alerts uh, regarding Cesar Giolito. I, a lot of starting pitchers go through these four, you know, starts in a row where things just aren't perfect or they get rattled a little bit. But I do expect both of them will bounce back and have quality starts uh, in the upcoming weeks. Speaking of the bounce back or hopes for bounce back, Eloy Jimenez's name comes to to mind. His rehab has been paused, as they put it. They didn't want to call it a setback, normal leg soreness but the big picture question about Aloy Jimenez is do you see him in the big picture in affecting White Sox baseball the way he is supposed to and really hasn't for the most part in his career because of injuries so we have the off-season plan project at Sox Machine where everybody gets to play GM and they make they, they propose what they would do with the White Sox roster for the upcoming season Aloy Jimenez, Mark, is going to be the most fascinating player because I I am expecting a lot of White Sox fans after this season to include Aloy Jimenez in their hypothetical trades, to exchange Jimenez for uh, for a player or players that will help patch other areas of the roster because now there seems to be a trust issue with his health. And when he was healthy, Aloy wasn't hitting the ball all that great before he got hurt. I mean, he was hitting 222, 256 on base percentage, Sluggy 333. That's not good. That's not Aloy. And in 11 games, he just had one home run. Uh, That's that's not good enough. So while we are all holding our breath to see on how Aloy does and he restarts his rehab uh, 20 days in Charlotte on Tuesday, you know, the, the question is, can he run? That's number one, because this leg soreness is coming after we're watching him run and he takes himself out of the game because he's running the bases or he's playing defense. But what the White Sox really need, Mark, if he could, you know, check those boxes using a Rick Hahn phrase, that the leg soreness is not going to be that big of an issue. When he rejoins the team in July, there is no choice. He has to hit. He can't be slumping or, well, I got to break off the rust. No, Mm. you got to come in and you got to hit right away because this offense is still terrible. Only three players have hit a home run this month. Shout out to Jay Kuda who posted this on Twitter. Jose Abreu, Jake Berger, A.J. Pollock. That's it. Those are the only three guys in the White Sox roster. We're in mid-June that have hit a home run on this team. So they really need Aloy Jimenez in 2022. They really need his bat to be that 30-plus home run type of power hitter for the White Sox. But long-term, it is a hazy outlook for Aloy Jimenez and his fit with the Chicago White Sox. From a fan perspective, 
And I'm expecting that drumbeat to get louder as we head into October and November. Don't be surprised if more and more White Sox fans would be okay if the White Sox traded Aloy Jimenez to patch other areas on the roster. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting, and that is like uh, another whole thing to consider for the White Sox and maybe something we'd be talking about more vigorously even today if it hadn't been for the news last night. And th- that said, or, or during the day yesterday, that said, Josh, I hope that you have gotten everything off your mind that you have wanted to, or I should just ask, have you gotten everything off of your mind about the White Sox that you needed to before I let you go? No, because I don't want to violate the FCC and get you in trouble and 670 in trouble. No, I I hope to see everyone at the ballpark. A a White Sox sweep would go a long way as far as boosting morale, but I do think that there is going to be a certain level of distrust between the fans and the media when analyzing the Chicago White Sox and Tony LaRusso's decision-making, I don't think it stops or ends this weekend if the White Sox get swept. It is going to be a lingering question all season long. Yep. You are correct, Josh Nelson. Thank you for your time. We appreciate the marriage between Sox Machine and the score, too, so we're glad you didn't drop any F-bombs on, <laughs> on this day or on my watch. So I'll talk to you later, man. Yeah, have a good weekend. Thank you. Yep, that is Josh Nelson. Of the Sox machine. Yeah, it's it's Tornado Tony. That's what it is. He is the great tornado of Chicago. It only lands in this metropolis, and it, it does its destruction, and we all cry, and then we rebuild, and then we move on, and then we even try to accept after that. We're like, we, we forgive you, Tony. We forgive you. And then another tornado comes, and you lose more people, and more less people are willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because we're all in this together after all it's just it's tornado tony I, there's no other way to describe it because Sox hit fans have no choice they have no choice in this matter this is helpless they're yeah you prob you got Sox fans they're not going to walk away from the white Sox. they're just not it's that that's not the way it works but they are going to fight for their team and voice their opinion, and that's what's been going on today here on The Score. I'm Mark Grody, filling in for Lawrence Holmes, and do you guys need a Bears break? I need a Bears break. So when we come back, we are going to talk to Bears beat reporter of the Chicago Sun-Times, Mark Potash. He and I were at the OTA the other day, so we will kick it around Bears-style next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. Would it be fair to say that, it, generally speaking, the players were pleased that the, the practice was canceled or that they came down on you guys because they were protecting you guys? Yeah, I got to golf 18 holes yesterday. Of course, yeah. While I appreciated the answer that Cole Komet gave me to the question that I had out at Hallis Hall yesterday, I actually never got the answer to the question that I was asking somewhat consistently throughout the day yesterday to anybody who we had availability with with the Bears yesterday. And... The thing that I don't know yet, and I'm talking about the Bears getting docked to practice for being too pushy and shovey during practices. Of course they appreciated having the day off. What I don't know about that, and I will continue to in- investigate, is if the players appreciated what was going on, that they felt they needed the protection from the NFL and from the union or was it like, oh my god, are you serious, dude? This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Like, what what is being said for real? Like, are you serious? We got docked to death. I mean, sick. I get to go golfing now, but are you serious for what? For that little shove? Or is it? Damn right, they better dock a practice. These are the rules, guys. We're getting to like. I don't know where players actually fall on that. Is it this is stupid? Or you damn right, this is the rules. You guys pay us what you pay us. No guaranteed contracts. We're going to make sure that the rules are followed. So I, I don't know really what stimulated all this and who cares or doesn't care about what happened on this day. That said, maybe to help crack the code and and answer the questions that I don't have the answers to. Could it be Mark Potash with the Chicago Sun-Times? He joins me now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Mark Potash, what's going on, brother? How are you? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Were you able to discern yesterday if the players cared about what happened uh, the, I, I didn't get the impression that uh, that they felt like um, this was an egregious, <clears throat> excuse me, an, an egregious violation. You know, like whoever it is, you know, having full padded, sneaking in a full padded practice in the middle of OTAs or something. I, I, I just seemed like this were more of a technical violation. And uh, as I said, you know, to me, it's like it was. It's like going seventy-two and a sixty-five. It's you know, it was not. I don't think it was. An affront to the players. I think you know that's the, that's the impression I got. I was I did not see. I, I, I when we were out there, we didn't. But even whenever these viola, whenever these violations, that did not. I didn't see it. But I don't get the impression that that they were egregious and and, and like I said, more of a technical thing, and just um, you know, just the. I guess if you want to say, just the Bears kind of uh, pushing the envelope a little bit, which frankly I think most Bears fans are happy to see. Um, um, so I I didn't think that this was. Uh, 
this is going to, you know, cause, if anything, it will help the Bears more than it will hurt them in the big picture. So are you satisfied with all the questions and answers from yesterday? Is there anything that, that sounded weird to you or offbeat or are you like, okay, that that's, is, it, it is what it is? Yeah, no, the only thing I think there was question was I think at one point it sounded like, uh, according to some people's sources that we've had, say, say uh, that they the Bears were warned and they still committed violations. But that said, you know, when when you look at the way those practices are run, it doesn't take much for there to be what we would we consider a technical violation, a guy going to the ground. It's not like they were full tackling or whatever. I don't think they were, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't that. So other than that, uh, I just I thought that was interesting that, you know, they were kind of warned about it, and, it's, and it still happened. So they really didn't. I don't think they were that uh, vigilant. I guess let's yeah. say, and it is, and I buy the argument that hey, they've got uh, they've got a lot of young guys. They've got a new staff. This happens, and and it does happen. And like I pointed out earlier, most of the teams that have these kinds of uh, violations, they make the playoffs. And um, and if this is a sign that this is the way they're going to do it, and like I said, push the envelope. Because you know it's like uh, you know it's like anything else. If they're doing this, what what are they doing that they haven't been caught doing? You know, mm-hmm. it's like the old Belichick thing. Whenever he yeah. does all these uh, 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 spy gate and this and that, that's just what he's getting caught. I mean, who knows what they're doing? You know that they don't get caught for. So you wonder about that. But I think in general, especially with the state of the Bears, I think I don't think there's going to be a big uproar over the Bears having a coaching staff that pushes the envelope and 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 and, and goes to the goes to the line, the echo of the whistle, as they say, uh, and and. And, um, you know, to try and uh, establish something, uh, you know, I, I think most Bears fans will say, yeah, that's a good thing. And, you know, to your point, I was listening to to Bears All Access last night and Jeff Joniak asked or brought up the topic to former Bears player Tom Thayer and current radio analyst as well. So listen to listen to how Tom Thayer responded. I applaud Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus for losing a day because I like the effort that's expected of these guys every day on the practice field. And if I'm going to lose a day of OTAs, I'm going to tell you I'm going to make it up in every padded practice at training camp. You better bring your best because if you're going to take a day away from me and no pads, I'm going to turn it up with pads. Wait, what do you think of that, Potsy? Well, you know, it's funny. If, they, if, if, if the Bears practice today – like they did in Tom Thayer's day, uh, literally the 85 Bears, the stories of their practices are, you know, are, are just legendary. Uh, they, were, they would get the entire offseason canceled because those were full. I mean, that was legal then, but they went, you know, ones against ones, full contact. I mean, they went all out. So that's where Tom is coming from. And I, I and uh, so I, yeah, it does not surprise me at all that he has that, that he has that attitude about it. That's hilarious. Yeah. Tom coming strong. That was on again. Bears All Access, which airs right here on 670 The Score at various times throughout the weeks and the year here on 670 The Score. So soon for the Bears, Mark Potash, it will be mandatory. As a matter of fact, it will be mandatory here forth. We could just put it that way. The 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 mandatory minicamp, June 14th through the 16th. And I don't know what looks we will get then from the offensive line Potsy, but I don't have a real feel for what Ryan Poles is going to put out there as the starting five up front when the season opens. Do you? No, and and they won't know until pads come on. I mean, really, the way things go now, you can't really tell that much. Um, and 
I inquired about that, and, and they, you know, the other day, because it just seems like this practice, as far as de- determining things like the offensive line and the defensive line, it's really hard to tell. So I don't think they're going to find out until, uh, like I said, the, the third or fourth, whatever practice at, at training camp, they, they go with full pads. And uh, until then, um, like I said, even they don't know what they have. But the thing is, they're being totally wide open about it. I mean, they're totally open-minded about it. Uh, they're not handing these spots. You know, if, if if Ryan Pace was still here, I think you'd be pretty certain that that uh, that uh, uh, Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borm would be your starting tackles at one side or the other. And that's just not as set in stone. They're going to have to earn those jobs. And there's um, and the Bears, I think, the way they're going into the season, have a lot of leeway as far as um, – you know, <clears throat> I'm not sure if putting the absolute best team on the field is necessarily their uh, going to be their mantra. I think if they have somebody who they think can develop or whatever and is not that far behind, that guy will get a shot to, to start because I think this is a real developmental year. I don't think they'll say that or express it. I just think that's going to be their attitude going in, that this is a real developmental year. And, and everybody, except for Roquan, um, you know, everybody, every job is totally wide open. Do you think that Matt Eberflus is has done things with purpose and with the media in mind when he does things like putting Jalen Johnson at second string in one of the practices that we were allowed to watch as members of of the media and then having Tevin Jenkins as the second string guy yesterday when the me- or whatever day it was was it yesterday with the media there watching and do you think that he keeps it that's that's kind of in the back of his head like he kind of knows people talk about this and they might get through to the player or am I connecting way too many dots yeah I, I don't think he thinks it I, I don't know I don't know Matty Rufus that well so I really don't know what his MO is um I don't get the impression that he's really that attuned to you know media and 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 publicity and what that does I think he's still sending the message I think he's sending the message himself to Jalen Johnson to Tevin Jenkins whatever that you know you're going to have to fight for your job and you're going to have to earn it and you're you know with this full speed thing that they're talking about I mean he means it I think that's the message he's getting across and with this with this roster very few uh, you know, uh, very few established players. It's just really, like I said, the most nondescript roster uh, I think I've ever seen. And nondescript, I mean, not like I said, not uh, not bad, but just no, very few established players. Very few players who have started more than two or three years in the league. Um, with this kind of wide open uh, roster, um, I think he really wants to make the make the point that hey, everybody is going to have to totally earn their job, and uh, and that's going to make it kind of an interesting training camp. I think I'm I'm looking I'm actually even in June I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> that's good to hear, man, because we got a long way to go. I would say that Justin Fields, you said they're nondescript, is the most uh, descript person on on the Bears team, and you know we get little you know higher levels of evaluation. I think every time we talk to Matt Eberflus, the head coach of the Bears, we learned that he loves his deep ball a couple of weeks ago in the previous OTAs. We learned yesterday that he find, that his footwork is looking terrific, that he really just thinks it's, you know, that is that is great and but I still even after that, I still don't know if they like Justin Fields or if they are still continuing to just do their due diligence. Yeah, they won't know if they like Justin Fields until uh, like October. I mean, um, you know that's 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 not set in stone that he's their guy. I mean, and I don't blame them for, you know, for for feeling that way. I mean, this is a new regime. 
Uh, they want to see what they got. Uh, they're going to give him absolutely every chance to be good. I mean, they're all in on him. There's no doubt about it. And it sounds like, I guess the one thing you talk about, you know, the two uh, things that Eberflus mentioned, the one thing I thought was interesting was, I think it was Cole Komet said, um, I think I, we asked him about, um, like, you know what? Do, you know what? What indication do you see? What do you see? What indication you see that this offense or this this will be better? I think that was or something like that. But anyway, he pointed out that well, we're moving. The, uh, Justin Fields is moving around more. He's he's more much more mobile than he mm-hmm. was before, and that just gives an indication whether or not they'll be good at it. It just gives an indication that as opposed to the to to the naggy era, they're going to do everything they can to to accentuate uh, field strengths. And um, which you know the with which they did not do before. I don't think I think most people were in agreement on that. And so I think that's the one the one good sign. And I think that they're you know that they're going to go. Like I said, they're all in on fields. I think they're going to give give them every chance. But if it doesn't work, I, I don't think they're going to prolong it. And I think they will. They won't hesitate to uh, to uh, go in another direction. Um, but um, you know, so I you know that's to me that's not. That's surprising, you know, with a new regime and an unproven quarterback. But I think he's got a great chance to be really good in this offense. And so, um, if this offense is good, I think Fields will be good. And I think that'll that'll be that'll be the the, the tale of uh, training camp. I only have like thirty seconds, and maybe this is a horrible thing to do to you. Do you have thirty seconds worth of of Tony Larusa? I'm guessing you have more than thirty seconds, <laughs> but do you have thirty seconds you'd like to share with the audience on his decision to well, intentionally you know, walk I, a man on a one-two count? I, I, you know, obviously it's uh, it's never been done before, and it's just strange that he all of a sudden, if if he thought if he thought he would. Walk him on one and two. Why not at the beginning? But anyway, but what what I thought was interesting is how this whole thing with whether you want to call it analytics or the book or whatever you're looking at, how they only look. It seems like they only look at one side of it. You know, like like she yeah, had the the hitter, the lefty versus the lefty. Well, you know, left-handed hitters are hitting 344 against Bennett Sousa when Max Muncie came to the plate. Why isn't that considered <laughs> when you're talking about a, putting a, walking a guy to have the lefty face the lefty? Right. So I think it just kind of exposes a, to me what I can consider a fallacy of the analytics thing or the book whatever you call it that they don't take the they don't take both sides of the it doesn't seem like they take both sides of the equation into effect i mean there's no doubt that was a really bad decision it's uh, to me it was somewhat defensible based on some of the things he said but not in the in the big picture no yeah, not at not all one two count. count the one two count did, yeah. destroys it, it, it all just, yeah that, that, and then here's why i know you said 30 seconds ago <laughs> here's and i have been a supporter even though i don't think it was the right move to hire tony larusa i've been a supporter of his but this what the biggest thing is it's an indication that he's just really not up to this job i mean yeah. that was that that's what i got out yeah. of it was yep. that, wow something's He's, you know, he's not thinking as clearly as he yeah. did ten years ago. There's a problem. And, There's a and, real and problem. I, and I think that's, I think, I think that's something that Rick Hahn or whoever will make that decision. If it's Jerry Ryan or whoever, you know, maybe they will. Maybe this is the incident that will at least open them up to the idea that hey, we might have to make a change here yep. that we didn't think we were going to have to make. And 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 I think. And I think this is the the one incident that could push the White Sox towards that eventuality. Well, interesting. You and I are kind of on the same page on that. Potsy, thank you so much for your time as always. I will see you at the mini camp, my friend. Thanks, Mark. Good talk to you as always. Uh, As always. Yep, that is Mark Potash of the Chicago Sun-Times. I'm Mark Grody on the score. When we come back, I hear Brandon Marshall is talking, and he's talking about Jay Cutler. That's next on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. This is Sports Radio 670, The Score, Chicago's sports station. Snap to Jay, play fake to Forte, throwing, corner out, left side, end zone! Touchdown!
Touchdown, Brandon Marshall! Touchdown, Bears! Brandon Marshall had some nice moments with the Chicago Bears. There is no doubt about it. Unfortunately, it ended sloppily. And when in life, when things end with dramatics and sloppiness and ugliness, that's the only part we remember. That's it. We'll get to your numbers at some other point in time, Brandon Marshall. Yes, we will. I'm Mark Rohde filling in for... Lawrence Holmes here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score in just a little bit, about five minutes from now, we will do transition with the afternoon show of Parkins and Spiegel. That'd be Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel here in just a little bit. But I have been told that Brandon Marshall was on a podcast talking about Jay Cutler. I believe it is the Adam Shine podcast, Adam Sheen, and I feel like I should know this, but I don't off the top of my head. It's a blind spot. I'm sorry. But if you know the podcast, you know the podcast. Here's Brandon Marshall talking about Jay Cutler. Your career was unbelievable. Damn, I wanted to see Brandon Marshall with a superstar quarterback, though. that When you were in your prime, I wanted Brandon Marshall with a great star quarterback. You never had that. If you could have... Who? Jay Cutler. Come on. <laughs> what was it Cutler. like? Play- what was it like playing with Cutler? <laughs> it was awesome, man. Like, I, I think Jay Cutler, um, he shouldn't have been the next Brett Favre, the next Aaron Rodgers type. You know, lean into the bad boy, all of that. But at the yeah. end of the day, let's go win. Let's go win. And I just think there was so much damage done to the offensive line. I mean, this dude was just attacked. Week after week, it was brutal. They, you know, Mike Marks asked him to take seven step drops. Uh, uh, you know, I feel like there was a lot of stuff beaten out of Jay Cutler, ultimate competitor, extremely uh, high football IQ. He can make every throw in the field, and even his freaking moxie and his freaking uh, uh, his attitude, I even loved, and it could work right if you win. So. Um, yeah, we underachieved. I say we because it's not just Jay Cutler. It was all of us around, me included. Uh, but there was definitely Super Bowls. We are capable of winning Super Bowls. And I think our immaturity at times and our inexperience at times and our attitudes at times got in the way. That is not what I was expecting to hear from Brandon Marshall just now. I had heard about the audio. I heard there was audio, I should say. I had not heard that. What I thought I was going to hear was Brandon Marshall ripping on Jay Cutler. Instead, what I heard was Brandon Marshall essentially ripping on the Bears and Mike Martz and calling him out for the obnoxious amount of steps that he was required to take on each plays and how they didn't protect him. I was not expecting Brandon Marshall to assault the Bears. I thought that this was going to be dropping on on Jay Cutler, and it was not that at all. And he thinks he could have been Brett Favre if he had had the right pieces and players and coaches around him. I don't know. I feel like 
Jay Cutler was just, it was an involuntary response for him to really just not pay attention to people, like in any capacity of any authority. Like he's got this gift. So why does he need to listen to the coach? Like that was the way Jay Cutler always carried himself. So I think it, it comes down more to, to that as it pertains to Jay Cutler. But I think that's something listening to, to Brandon Marshall talking about Jay and still support. I had thought that those two had had a falling out, but apparently there's still a lot of support there too. The one other little, the other tiny little piece too that I liked hearing about is how he says, yeah, he should have just leaned into the bad boy thing and who cares and just go, go and be great. Do the bad boy, you know, Brett Favre thing. I guess if you really want to simplify Jay Cutler, like is, was he a jerk? Was he just aloof? Was he just not as talented? I think in in this case that he is he is nailing it right there and what he is saying about Jay Cutler. All right, we have taken up too much time because I am late already for transition, which will come next with Parkins and Spiegel right here on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest five G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 